I'm Jordan McKinnis with McKinnis Farms in Monalba, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we'll see less cotton acreage planted here in the U.S., but wheat acreage is expected to jump higher. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Having seen cattle numbers come down substantially, how soon might we see herd rebuilding start? I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts on that from one of the leading cattle business observers in the Texas High Plains. Plains Cotton Growers Annual Meeting attracts hundreds of farmers from a 42-county region. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report from Lubbock on Texas Ag Today. Spring is a great time to fertilize. We're going to talk a little bit about fertilizers and understanding a little bit more about it. Please join me, John Begno as we talk about spring fertilizing in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. U.S. farmers are expected to make a big cut in cotton acreage planted this year, according to the USDA Prospective Plantings Report issued Friday. The total expected cotton plantings now sit at 11.3 million acres, down 18 percent from last year. USDA's chief economist Seth Meyer says that's still a bit more acreage than USDA had been forecasting earlier this year. But pretty consistent with what the uh cotton industry itself had suggested in their own survey of farmers as well, too. So what the producers said here is pretty consistent with that. And while 18 percent is a big cut in acres, Meyer says we could see more cotton planted if we get more rain in the big cotton growing areas of the country, like right here in Texas. And while cotton acreage is taking a cut, U.S. wheat acreage is expected to go up this fall. Some of the additional winter wheat acres that we found were in places like Kansas in the west. So that'll be interesting. We'll have to continue to watch weather and crop development there because there are areas which continue to be dry in Kansas and Oklahoma, uh, even though we have seen some improvements elsewhere. Wheat farmers are expected to plant 37.5 million acres this year. That's up 13% from a year ago. And speaking of wheat, let's get an update on how the wheat crop is looking as we roll toward harvest. 
John Fenderson is an agronomist with Westbred Wheat. The wheat crop in Texas overall, I'd say, is probably lagging behind average. I would say the majority of the acres in the state is under some level of moisture stress. A lot of it's under severe stress. The further west you go, obviously, it's more critical. But even the southern part of the Blacklands is under severe stress. We've had a little bit of fertilization problems where we had some delayed planting and the heading is delayed. And right now, the big thing that we've got going down there is rain. We just need rain. The fertilization issues are minor. The wheat's going to be okay if we get the rain, but if we don't get any rain, it's really not going to make much difference. John, where would you say the best looking wheat that you've seen so far this year is located here in Texas? There's some pockets in the Waco to Dallas area that are quite good. That wheat is good, I'd say, in general. We're looking at 60 to 80 bushel wheat potential in that area. As you go south in the Blacklands, I think that we're looking at 30 and 40 bushel wheat probably. A lot of the wheat out around the Abilene up towards uh, Haskell area, it looks quite good. They've had some pretty good rain, but soil moisture out there is going to become depleted quite quickly, I'm afraid. We need to have some continued rain to get the crop finished out. Fenderson says wheat disease pressure has been fairly low this year. Cattle numbers have come down substantially in the last couple of years. James Hunt takes a look at when we may see herd rebuilding get underway. For our report today, we go back to my conversation with Hemp Hill County Extension Agent Andy Holloway. As many listeners in our area know, Andy Holloway is a pretty keen observer of what's going on in the cattle business. And I asked him for his thoughts on when we might see herd rebuilding begin. I think if you look at the nation as a whole, if you look at placements of heifers in feed yards, if you look at all the numbers, there's no indication of any kind of movement towards herd rebuilding. I think the western half of the United States as a whole is going to have to get much more moisture than it's had. And there are some signs of hope. You know, California's been in this deep drought for years. They've had extreme good moisture events through the winter. Montana was in a a desperate situation. A lot of Montana's in good shape now. So I think that with the prospect of El Nino taking over our weather pattern in the coming months, there's a lot of hope in our future. But you got to hang on from now till then in order to make it to that point. So don't look for major regrowth to start anytime soon. But Holloway says the big plus in the current situation is that with cattle supplies pretty thin right now, cattle prices are becoming very strong for our producers. And the economic situation for beef producers will be a major focus of a big Texas A&M AgriLife event that Holloway is pretty busy getting ready for right now. That's the annual Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, which is April 25th and 26th in Canadian. We'll talk more about the conference tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers gathered in Lubbock last week to hear the latest in the cotton industry. Tom Nicoletti was there. 
Plains Cotton Growers annual meeting uh, was held in Lubbock recently, attracting cotton farmers from 42 counties in the region, including Martin Sterner. He is president of Plains Cotton Growers and uh, a cotton farmer in Floyd County. And uh, Martin, you addressed a group about a, a number of issues. And of course, uh, the Farm Bill for 2023 is uh, certainly high on everybody's uh, mind. Talk about what you uh, hoped that is accomplished there. Of course, D.T. Thompson, our chairman of the Ag Committee, uh, recommends that we come with a unified voice about the Farm Bill. And of course, we'll be working with the uh, National Cotton Council and their task force with a unified voice as we come. And of course, some of the things might be uh, a increase in the reference prices that are low relative to the cost of our inputs right now. And certainly uh, 2022 was a very difficult year for all farmers, including cotton farmers. So uh, looking uh, forward and hoping there'll be uh, a better year in 2023. So we're still holding out hope for that rain to come and, and another big crop. National Cotton Council and the U.S. Department of Agriculture are both predicting that uh, total cotton acreage planted this year across the cotton belt uh, will be down. Uh, in Texas, uh, those numbers are also going to be down uh, considerably. Your thoughts about that? You no, know, I guess the ratio between cotton and grain prices, that ratio is favorable to growing grain right now. So price ratio right now may buy a few acres for the grain crops. And, of course, a lot of wheat was planted last fall, and it's kind of right on the bubble about the dryland wheat crop. Some of those acres could stay in wheat if, if a rain would happen very shortly. That is Martin Sterner. He is president of Plains Cotton Growers here in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. This is a good time of year to fertilize Texas gardens and landscapes. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some spring fertilization tips. Well now's a great time to fertilize for most anything and it's very difficult to understand every year's different of course our spring might be warmer than normal drier than normal but nonetheless so many plants begin their spring growth after a long rest during the winter fertilizer is a tool and use it as a tool and use it wisely understanding that when you go to purchase fertilizers most of them are going to have nitrogen phosphorus potassium the three really big nutrients that most plants will need. They need about 16 essential plus elements, but these are the majors. Nitrogen is for growth, and that's very important in early spring. Then phosphorus is for blooming, for flowering plants. And in sandy soils, it may be very lacking. And potassium is for cell structure and rigor. In other words, turgor makes them tough, drought-resistant, and so forth. So those are the reasons we use those. Some parts of Texas may need more nitrogen. Sandy soils are a good example. They leach out very readily in sandy soils because of rainfall, and they get used up very readily. So remember that fertilizing in the spring is applied to plants that you expect or want to grow more. So if you have big, mature live oak trees in your pasture areas that are dying because of drought or whatever, you want to put some fertilizer on them. Spring is the absolute time, best time to use that fertilizer. But you want to be careful. If there's no water around, if you're short on irrigation, you can't get that nutrient down into the root zone where it can be absorbed and utilized in producing new leaves. So that's important to know. It's confusing a lot of times when you go to a garden center or a nursery and you look at the, the numbers. They might be real high in nitrogen, low in the middle number phosphorus, non-existent in potassium, whatever. 
So we have what's referred to as a complete fertilizer with something in all, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. That kind of takes the guess out of it if you're not sure what you need. But the way to really take the guess out of it is a soil sample analysis. And that can be done right now. You can go to Texas A&M University's AgriLife and you can put in the search engine soil sampling and you'll get forms and you can send them. Most county extension offices or AgriLife offices also offer these forms. You can send them in. They'll analyze your soil. They'll tell you what type of nutrients you need. And it's really not too late to do that. But remember that if you are going to fertilize, and you should in many cases, especially plants you want to recover from stress, now is a great time to fertilize plants in Texas. John Bagner reporting from San Angelo. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is recognizing landowners who have made efforts to conserve land, water, and wildlife. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And congestive heart failure in cattle is increasing. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Congestive heart failure in cattle is on the increase. Dr. Bob Judd says it may be caused by raising cattle to larger weights. It seems a larger number of cattle are dying due to congestive heart failure as cattle are fed to heavier endpoints. One major feed yard has reported to have had up to 40 deaths per week in these late-term cattle during the peak heat season. The veterinarians began working to train personnel in the feedlot to diagnose the disease and launched a research project that recorded heart and lung scores on 20,000 cattle of all breeds. The study found that 5% of black-hided calves were assigned heart scores on congestive heart failure, and the condition can be decreased by genetic selection. The heritability of the trait is about 35%, which is high, indicating genetic selection can lower the amount of disease. A research project led by the U.S. Animal Research Center looked at animals with similar genetic backgrounds and tried to determine differences in genetics of affected cattle versus non-affected cattle. They found that certain regions had a higher likelihood of cattle developing congestive heart failure, and without aggressive interventions, this syndrome will likely increase. This is a significant loss when cattle die that are worth $2,500 and the feed yard has invested $1,200 in feed. Dr. Brian Vanderlei from Nebraska indicates that research indicates the frequency of risk alleles is higher in Angus and Red Angus cattle. The American Angus Association is researching the topic also at Kansas State and is finding that it is not clear about the cause of the increased amount of congestive heart failure. Hopefully, the researchers can find genetic markers related to congestive heart failure and stop using related bulls. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. 
This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is recognizing landowners who have made efforts to conserve land, water, and wildlife. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is recognizing landowners who have made exemplary contributions to land, water, and wildlife stewardship. This year's Lone Star Land Steward Eco Region winners were announced on Friday. The program was launched in 1996. TPWD's Executive Director David Yoskowitz says in a state like Texas, where private landowners hold 95% of the land, landowners play a crucial role in conservation and stewardship efforts. He said that is why it is so important that we take the opportunity each year to celebrate those who create a legacy of land stewardship. This year, the Cibolo Center for Conservation in Bernie received special recognition. TPWD says the center has set a national standard for nature centers, promoting public concern for conservation, leading to improved habitats, water, and quality of life. The Blackland Prairie Eco-Region winner is Kokurik Farms in Weimar. It is owned by Gary and Diana Kokurik. Melton Ranch in Roby is the Rolling Plains Eco-Region winner. It is owned by Paul Melton. The Post Oak Savannah Eco-Region winner is Prairie Rose Ranch in Miller Grove, owned by Ronald Gard. In the Cross Timbers region, Quahati Ranch of Dublin is the Eco-Region winner. It is owned by Stephen Smith. And the Edwards Plateau Eco-Region winner is Zesh Ranch in Mason County, owned by Hal and Amy Zesh. The Lone Star Land Steward Eco-Region Award winners will be recognized at a banquet May 25th in Austin. Details about what each of these winners did to receive the recognition is available on the TPWD website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Tuesday as traders awaited trade in the cash cattle markets. There's also some concern that higher fuel prices could weigh on beef purchases. OPEC Plus announced over the weekend a plan to cut oil output by more than a million barrels a day starting next month, and it's expected to last through the end of the year. April live cattle down 52 cents to 167.60. June live cattle down a dollar to 160.22. April feeder cattle down a dollar to 197.95. May feeder cattle down 87 cents to 202.27. Boxed beef was higher. Choice up $3.60 to 288.69. Select up $3.70 to 277.88. Now let's check those livestock auctions. 
We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. My guest today, Colt Adams, El Campo Livestock Exchange. Colt, you're having your regular sale today. What's it looking like? Yes, yeah, sir, Mr. Larry. We're tagging in on around 500 head tonight. Uh, we'll have about 20 thousand tomorrow. Uh, pretty good bred cows in there, and quite a, they're about five to ten pairs. We do have a set of wean calves tomorrow. I've been weaned right at 90 days. There'll be some F1 bred for heifers on them, and pretty nice heifers, Mr. Larry. And then we'll have some good crossbred that, that we probably 100 days on that deal as well. Uh, there'll be about 100 packer cows. The rest of them be big drags of calves all the way through tomorrow. A lot of good quality all the way throughout. Now, Coach, you've got an Easter weekend special. Tell us about it. Yes, sir, Mr. Larry. We do We do have a big bull offering this weekend right at 60 bulls. There'll be 40 Charlay bulls. be breeding age two to two and two and a half years old. All the bulls will be trick and fertility tested, ready to go to work. They will be coming off one ranch, be 40 of them Charlay bulls. We do have some red angus, uh, some brangus bulls, Hereford bulls, and two really good Brayford bulls. On our female end, we do have 100 F1 Brayford cows be four and five years old, all heavy breads and pairs to Charlotte bulls. We do have a set of uh, Brayford heifers and black, and there will be some red mots on them that have all been heavy breads or pairs, majority pairs to 44 Farms Angus bulls. The pairs have been running back within 44 Farms Angus bulls. And then I do have a set of half to three quarter Brahmin heifers, be a hundred of them, be heavy breads and pairs to uh, Victorian Hereford bulls. Be quite a few pairs on that deal too. A lot of good F1 uh, Brayford open heifers, exposed heifers, some really nice F1 Brangus heifers. Man, just Lots of good quality throughout. The consignments are really bringing them to down uh, this Saturday, and uh, we just want to invite everybody out to come see us. Give us a contact number, Colt. Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell phone at 361-920-1618. You can catch me there anytime. And if you cannot make the sale, we will have online bidding platform through dbauctions.com. Colt, thanks so much for being our guest today on Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for listening to us today on Texas Ag Today. March class 3 milk fell a penny to 1805 a hundredweight. April class 3 milk fell 11 cents to 1868 a hundredweight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton market on Tuesday. Analysts say pressure is on U.S. farmers to sell their old crop right now as planting of the new crop continues. May cotton down 133 points to 8105. July cotton down 126 points to 81.38. May corn down 4 to 6.53 and 3 quarters. July corn down 9 to 6.28. May hard red wheat down 2 and 3 quarters to 8.72 and a half. July hard red wheat down 3 and a half to 8.57 and 3 quarters. May natural gas down a penny to 2.10. June natural gas down a penny to 2.34. May crude oil up 28 cents to 80.70 a barrel. June crude oil up 27 cents to 80.71 a barrel. The Dow fell 240 points Tuesday to 33,360. The S&P 500 down 27 points to 4,096. And the Nasdaq down 75 points to 12,114. Well, that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Jessica Domel. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.